0: Thank you. Thank you for welcoming you into this moment in your life. Um, for those online, for those that are here. Today I have a word of hope. Turn to somebody and say, hope. Hope. Not your name, hope. <laughs> From God's promises for these uncertain times. You know, one thing, I've got this pair of glasses, and they help me for seeing up close and far away. Without these glasses... There's a lot I would not see. I mean, there's, it'd just be a blur. Uh, a lot of what we see and don't see spiritually is because we haven't got God's glasses on. And we're only seeing through our hurts, our wounds, our stuff, our glasses. And so we don't see a lot of things and we see it wrong. When we put God's glasses on, oh my gosh, I didn't know how much I was missing. And so from the top, Ten headlines. Uh, the question is, what are you seeing? You know, in the daily life upsets of grocery stores and gyms and families and schools and workplaces and, and all that stuff that's going on in conflict in economics. The fear of are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? Of the stock market, of our health. We're going to come to pandemics. Doctors' reports. Uh, things that we're seeing and and hearing emotionally. The fear, the anxiety, the unreported abuses, all the stuff that's bottled up, having not even gone through grief and where we're stuck in whatever stage we're stuck in. And the church, uh, leaders falling out and, and failing in great ways. And the church itself, individuals not knowing its mission. It's not about me. We have a mission here. And then the whole world being on edge. Is there going to be nuclear war, you know, and the Gog, Magog uh, triangle of of the fact that that where would Russia would come to get in alliance with China and uh, Iran? That has never been an issue of that ever happening. Now it exists. What's going on? Where are we at? The question is, what do you see? Because what you see is creating a response in you. It's affecting you. Our daily lives are being turned upside down by what we see. So are you seeing what God sees or are you seeing just what you see? Uh, several years ago, I, I was, we were in a parsonage and I got this phone call that says, uh, Randy, um, you need to come up here into the mountains, uh, up in the Rocky Mountains right there because uh, your brother has gotten lost. That was first engagement. He was Mr. Camper, Mr. Hunter, and, and all those things. And so um, I immediately went up. It couldn't go up until the next morning. And when we got up there, he had been out over overnight in the snow in that area. And when I was talking with the officers and the rescue team that was there, uh, they said, this year, three people have been lost. Zero come out alive. And um, it's not looking good. It's already been... Well over 24 hours. Uh, he's been out there, hypothermia's probably set in. We're not sure what he had, what he had with him when he was going and so we began and I said, listen, can we just let me take the, a team and go down and see what I, we can find. I worked, you work for the Sheriff's Department, I used to work with the Sheriff's Department down in San Joaquin County and would you, you know, let me take your officers and let us go and it, the, the sergeant agreed, which I was amazing and a miracle in its first place. And so we went down and as we were tracking, we finally came upon his tracks and we saw where he had tried to go up uh, to hit the road above us, but he'd stopped short because he couldn't find it. And then he tried to go downward to catch the road that was below where he was at and he missed that road altogether. Later we found out he'd had an asthma attack and it affected him really a lot in his strength so he just fell asleep. For about an hour or so, and when he woke up, there was a full-fledged snowstorm going on, and he couldn't see at all. So he couldn't see the road above, and he couldn't see the road at the bottom. And the road at the bottom had ended, and he missed it by like 25 feet. You know, there was a big log across the road, and he was on the other side of that, and he couldn't see that. So he kept on going on down. And uh, we found the tracks. We picked them up. We followed them to certain point, and then he just disappeared Uh, again, because there had been another snowstorm, and we we couldn't find any of those at all. And we found ourselves at a cliff. It was 5,000 feet down. You could see the roads because it was 100 miles to go around to this side and come in this way, or go around and come up the other way. It was was 100 miles of road. There was nothing but wilderness in front of us in this 5,000-foot cliff. And the officer says... You know, we got to choose which way to try and look. And, you know, we're going to leave that up to you. He says, do you mind if I say a prayer? He says, go do whatever you need to do. And so I went and stood on that cliff and I said, God, you got to tell me. Because if I go the wrong way, I go to the left and he went to the right and I go to the right and he went to the left, that's it. Because they're two different mountains. It's not like the same place. It's a whole different location you're going to end up in and it was a once you started journey down you don't go back up it was that steep and we're climbing over rocks and whatnot. and it would be another he was saying six hours it ended up being ten hours that we hiked down and uh, I said God you got to show me when you face a situation like that and there's uncertainty how do you respond I said, God, you're going to show me. I just sensed God's strongly whisper to the right. I said, we're going to the right. I says, why are you going to the right? God told me. We're going to the right. Okay, whatever, you know, you're leading the posse. Let's go. And so we went on down. Forty-five minutes later, we picked up his tracks. He had gone to the right. And then we kept tracking on down with him, and, and we'd gone about another hour. By that time... One of the dogs had injured its leg and sprained it as they were trying to carry him over the thing. So for the rest of the trip, the two deputy sheriffs spent their time passing the dog back and forth because the dog couldn't walk and we're carrying this, we're going on down. In about another 30 minutes, we came upon his boots. He'd gotten his feet so frozen and so bad, he was trying to get circulation. He'd just taken his boots off and and abandoned him and left him. Thirty minutes later, we found him, hovering, barely, barely able to respond. We were able to get him back up and going again, and tried to make fire. Was Everything was wet. was impossible, so we began carrying him. I carried him for the next eight hours down that hill, across the frozen waters. We finally reached another group that picked him up in a stretcher, and then it was another hour and a half out. He had surgery on his feet, a lot of... Tissue and stuff had died, and so he had to have that operated on, and he would have died had God not told us right. That's my side of the story as a rescuer, going down to rescue him. His side of the story... As I blew it, I don't know where I was at. I am upset with myself for the stupid mistakes that I've d- done and not violated all the wilderness rules. And now I am lost. No one knows where I'm at. No one's going to find me. And the more I go down this hill, the more I realize it's not just a simple hill. It's not just a couple hours. I'm in trouble. I gave up. I came to the place. That's it. I can do no more. His view of the rescue was totally different. And when he saw us, there was such a joy. There was such a surprise. There was such an unexpected. You found me. You located me. You're here. There is hope again. Which side of the story are you on? Have you come to a place that you're just overwhelmed? You're done. (laughs) God, I don't know what you're up to. This doesn't make sense. God will rescue you. He promises that. And we need to understand that. But when your daily life is turned upside down, you get fear, you get panic, you get anxiety, or you're just depressed. You just check out. What does it matter? What am I going to do? It's hopeless. But something happens to you. It's a choice you choose in uncertain times. It's your response to all the uncertainty, all the craziness of this situation. It's my response to that. It's really about your belief in God and his activity. You've seen a lot of things go bad, so you think, well, God, are you even in this? God, where are you? I prayed, yeah, you, where are you? What's going on? Maybe God just only checks in every now and then. Maybe God has his favorites. What's your view? How do you see it? Your view is so important because it's what you're choosing in that moment. And when you look at God, you should see protection. You should see promise. You should receive. Receive peace. I don't know what's going on, but God, something I know about you. Something I can count on about you. I don't have to make all the planets align, everything circle and white, and us spin at thousands of miles an hour. I don't have to do any of that. You just do that. I can take peace in that. You got this one. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1.7. Open your Bibles. We're going to go to Psalms 91. We're going to spend some time there. You have your notes. Pull those out. Look at those. We'll go along with this. Our world has changed, but God doesn't need to. Maybe you didn't hear that. Our world has changed, but God doesn't need to. Now, if I said God has never changed, you go, yeah, well, that's the problem. He doesn't change with time. No, you don't understand. God doesn't need to change. He's the constant in every situation that we need. So I'm going to kind of try and hopefully give you a vitamin B12 shot today, spiritually, kind of energize us up a little bit and remind us of our faith. So I want you to hold your hands out like this. Hold their hands out. Hold them up. God has the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world. In his hands, he's got the whole wide world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. You ever sing that song as a kid? You ever hear that song? You know, there's better singers that have sung it than me. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he's not looking, oh, what a mess, I'll shake it off. He says, you're precious. You're precious. So there's four things that we need to do, four steps when we face uncertain times. Number one, remember our Bible mentors. This Bible is full of stories, individuals that face faced similar problems. Remember what they did. I hope you've done some reading and you've read some of their stories because they've had some reactions, good reactions, bad reactions, but they all teach us what to do. And they all show what God did in those extreme, during those Periods of extreme uncertainty. During those tough periods, they show what the people did. They show what God did. And God was always delivering. God was always rescuing. God was always creating a miracle. The Bible isn't a book of positive social media pastries you can put out there. Oh, that makes me feel good today. Yeah, I like that one. Let me just kind of send it out. Maybe you go. Yeah, I like, see the hearts coming in. Oh, that's so nice. That's not the Bible. The Bible is not a fairy tale. Happily ever after. Magically, this is the way it was. That's not a fairy tale. It's true stories of ordinary people and an extraordinary interactive God who intervenes into our situations, into our life when we receive it. You know, Jesus did a crazy thing once. He he went up to a guy that was lame, laying on the bed. He's trying to get in a pool where miracles happen so he can be healed. Do you want to be healed? <laughs> Duh. No, that's that's a good question. Sometimes it's a bunch of stuff we want to hang on to. We don't want to let go of, so we don't want to be healed. I'm not talking about just physical. I'm talking emotionally, your situation, your circumstance, that uncertain a certain time. Now, no, I, I don't know if I can trust you, God. I, I've, I've got my plan, my way, and I'm not letting go of it until you come in line with my plan. It's a personal letter for the realities that we face. In this, we find Joseph. He's listening to his brothers, and he's in a pit. He's been beaten up and all he's done is shared a dream that God had in his life, and they're saying, "Do we sell him or do we kill him?" But what do we do? He's listening to the conversation, and he spends the next thirteen years as God works in his life, and He takes him from the pit to the throne. I'm going to give you an example of how this works real quick, because his job was going to deal with all the agriculture and all the land in Egypt. So he takes him as a slave to work on a farm. You think that was by accident? Or was that to train him? Because he was managing a large area and he got to work with the different people and see how they thought. He was trained in all that area. And then he was sent to jail. God is taking him on a CEO training program. Jail, why jail? Because these were all the people that Pharaoh got mad at and. Sent to prison. So he was teaching him what not to do. Behavior, how the court works, things like that. Then we have a frightened mother who wraps her baby Moses in a blanket so Egyptian soldiers won't kill him. We have a, a baby mother, Mary, who sacrifices as a teen mom to be an outcast, to lose all relationships. God, whatever you have, I will do it. We have the Apostle Paul, who's launched many churches, who's done incredible things. Uh, you know, we have this incredible man, he's now in prison. And he writes to us about what to do when God's promises don't seem to be coming true as we see it. But he's writing his letters. Then we have John, the Apostle, who's been, they've tried to kill him by, by boiling him in oil three times, and it won't burn him. So they isolate him on an island. And now all he's getting is these letters. The church is falling apart. The church is falling apart. The church is falling apart. Everything's falling apart. He is in a place unable to do anything. And God shows up. And on the day of the Lord, the God comes. I am the beginning. I am the end. I started everything. I know there's going to be some hiccups in the middle. I wrote the story. I will write the end. And here's the end. I'm the victor. All of these mentors tell us you trust in God because God's got the whole world in his hands. Psalms 91. Whoever dwells, dwells. You've got to show up. You've got to be there. You've got to be hanging out there. Dwell. Okay. You're not a visitor. You dwell there. In the shelter of the Most High will rest. See, if you're dwelling there in the shelter of the Most High, you're going to have rest. You may not be there if you don't have rest. You kind of moved and found another campground. You will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, who? I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield, your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrows that fly by day nor the pestilence, that unknown that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Now, just to make it a little highlight and make this kind of a high point in the message, let me repeat that one. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. It's coming. Revealing is coming. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you take the most high, your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. The Bible reveals that in uncertain times, God has been preparing. He's in your past. He was back there in all those moments you thought he wasn't there and he was preparing you for his future. God is in your present. He's with you right now. Whether you sense him, whether you feel him, wherever you're at with him, God is active and he's with you and he's working. You may have the wrong glasses on, you can't see him. He is committed. His word is his bond. He is working. And He's in your future, praying, interceding. That you follow the plan to where he's taking you. God is outside of time. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. You guys got this timetable and you chronologically and you do all that stuff. I'm just outside of all that. doesn't make sense. I'm God, that's the point. It doesn't make sense for you. But i working, and that's how I'm working in your life. And so he's walking you through time. God has a message for us, his church, to see a powerful promise of protection. is right here in Psalms 91. A calling from God for this time, this kairos, this moment that we're in, that God placed you in, in this global uncertainty. He's got a message for you of hope. Hope. You will be my church. I give you hope, and you will give hope to others. Hope. He wants us to see step two. Faith in Jesus overcomes fear and anxiety. Faith. When you're just in his presence, faith comes. Faith isn't something you have that you drum up Faith is something God gives you as you're in his presence, as you let him hover in your life. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. First, God then God, says, I'm going to give you some rest. I want you to have peace. You have to have a foundation. If your mind's going everywhere and you're all befuddled and you're worried, you're panicked, you're running its way like that, you're confused, you're upset, you're angry you're like that, you're not able to see what's going on. Let me give you some rest. I don't have time for it. You need rest. You've got to start with rest. I don't need to. No, sit down, rest. Dwell. And in my shadow, shelter. There. With Him. God is watching over you for any threats coming your way. God is. El Yon, the Most High, He owns you. 1 Corinthians. You are bought with a price from El Yon. El Shaddai, Almighty, there is none more stronger than he is. You're resting in his shadow. Moses wrote that, the Psalms 91. He lived in the desert most of his time. A shadow, shade, was very important in the hot times. Sometimes you press real close to that rock and stuff like that so that the sun outside there, you know, isn't burning you. Are you in the shadow? His shadow? His presence? Not letting that touch you? The point is, you don't have to worry about what's in front of you because he's who's behind you. He's who's with you. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress. Who will say that? I will. I will not just say, it says, I'll declare, God, you, you're my refuge, you're my fort. What he's saying, whether it's small and I just need a little storm cellar for the storm that's going on, God's got it. If it's big, beyond you and like that, it says, I'm a fort. Massive walls and guards and everything. I'm a fort for you. If it's nuclear, don't worry. I'm a bomb shelter. I've got it all for you. Uncertainty reveals, though, where I trust, what I trust. Do I trust myself, my abilities, my plans, what I want, or do I trust God? Do I trust money? Do I trust things? Do I trust the government? Do I trust my relationship? Do I trust, or do I trust God? See, when uncertainty hits you, what you choose to do shows where your trust is. How you respond shows where your trust is. Is. And in uncertainty, you've got to grab God is a good thing. You've got to trust God is it. You've got to hold on to him. Because God's going to take uncertainty and bend it to be a blessing. Bend it to create revival. He's going to bend all this chaos, and he's going to cause revival to happen. Surely, he will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. Satan, who's out trying to snare you and freeze you in a rut, paralyze you, cut you short, just like my brother, almost to the road, almost to freedom and miss it all together. Give up and quit. And end up in a greater mess. Jesus will not share his crown with anyone else. So you've got to put the crown back on Jesus. You've got to take it off yourself, take it off someone else and put it on him. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Like a mother hit who just kind of hovers like that, and she's shaking and vibrating. She's cooling them all off, and she's protecting them, keeping them all where they need to be, and rising them up to the age that they need to be in maturity. That's the tender heart of God. Luke 13, 34. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messenger. Oh, America, oh, America, how often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hand protects your kicks beneath your wings, but you wouldn't listen. In Yellowstone, there was a fire, and as the fireman was going along with his, his pick and, and, and moving things around, he, he came across this bird. that was all spread out. that had been all charred and, and dead, and he kind of took the pick and just flipped her over, and out of it ran a bunch of babies. That mama had stayed in that fire, spread out, protected him, and was burnt to death. And Jesus came and spread out his arm for you and I to cover you with his blood, his protection, to cover you with his spirit, wisdom, and insight, to equip you, to fulfill you, not to leave you depressed, overwhelmed, afraid, Hurt? Damaged? That is not what Jesus brought. You're going to need to go home, and you need to go to your doors, and you need to put oil on it. You need to pray and say, God, there's nothing, no evil spirits allowed in, and nothing allowed from the outside, and Lord, you're going to cleanse this house. Protect. You need to put the God's oil on you. You need to pray for yourself. You need to pray for your family. You need to do this. And you need to start praying and you need to start declaring. You need to start declaring, not just saying things, but declaring. You've got to declare the word of God and speak it out over your home and what you believe and what you decree. What's your vision? What has God shared for you? What are you speaking out? Cross the page. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks into darkness, the unknown, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Lord, we just pray right now that you let God's love drive out fear. God, awaken in us your presence and your spirit right now. Those that are asleep, Lord God, stir them, shake them the reality of who you are and what you want to do in and through them, Lord God. Give them hope, give them faith, give them courage. Lord, cause them to rise up right now. In your name, amen. If you say, the Lord is my refuge. If you say, you know, you can't let me say it for you. You have to say it. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Lord most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near you. Number three, prepare. Write that down, prepare. The battle isn't just physical. It's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual. Psalms 91.1 is our 911. Catch that? Come on, guys. Work with me. 911. Mentally, be careful. Not constantly be checking your, your social media and the news and, and letting yourself be distracted by everything else. You spend time in God's presence. I didn't ask if you read your Bible, I didn't ask if you prayed. pray. Have you just spent time? God, I'm here. I just love you. I just want to sense you right now. I want to know, yes, Lord, you're just putting your hand on my shoulder right now. You speak that you love me. Just being in your presence, wash over me. Fill me right now with your presence, Lord. Let me never be far from your presence. Let me always be in your presence. Lord, run, I get distracted. Bring me back right here. You love me. In this rest, in this place, as the Holy Spirit hovers, you give me ideas, you give me plans, you give me direction, but Lord, I must be in your presence. Are you staying in his presence? You need his presence. You start that. Winning a God is not sitting around. It's pushing and looking for where God is and where God is active. It's praying and asking for Him. It, we're increasing our spiritual immunity. Our spiritual immunity, recognizing that our care is we have an influence, an ability. To affect other people in their day. Uh, where to serve, where to join growth groups, where to lead growth groups. Are you caring for seniors? Are you in the nursery? Are you with kids? Are you asking others to lunch over for dinner? Are you sharing Christ with others? Let your influence go out. There was this dog where we grew up. It was a vicious dog. It was one of those, you know, dogs that are trying to bite you. Give it a chance. And it was up the road, and we lived on a a country road. And Whatever we would ride our bikes, we would ride only up to the house, not past the house, because the dog was there. One day, my brother wasn't listening to me, and he decided to ride past the house, the same one that got lost, I might say. (laughs) And he rode past and the dog, you could see him coming from the barn, and he is running full pace. And my brother is trying to pedal his stingray as fast as he can, and we could see he's not going to make it. And I'm right behind him trying to yell at him. And so I realized I got to do something. So I divert. And my dad had said, you never let a dog scare you. You stand up to that dog. I thought he was crazy. And he was, what was he thinking? But I thought, that's the only advice I have to save my brother right now. So I pulled in in front of that, threw my bike down and stood up him and said, stop. Right at that moment, the dog goes, and thumped on the ground. Because he hit the end of his chain. It was nice to know there was a chain. But many of us need to stand up and realize Satan's on a chain. Spirits and principalities are on a chain. Your circumstances are on a chain. What you're fearing, what you have anxiety over, what you dread, it's on a chain. And God is protecting you. This far and no more. God has the devil on a chain. If you want God's perfect peace in times of trouble, you need to dwell in his presence. You need to draw close to Christ in prayer. You need to know God will never leave us and you need to let Christ be the one that shelters you. So worship team comes on the back. We are challenged. That's where God points his finger at and says, this is what you're going to do. You are challenged to trust him. When it's hard to find him. You're not sure where he's at. When you don't understand him. <laughs> you are not making sense, God. This, you know, We had this all planned out. If you'd done this house thing earlier, we'd be all done before the interest rate went up, and before the prices went up. What's going on with you, God? He says, don't worry, I've got it all planned out. This church is a perfect example. It was in the Great Recession that we went through. It was in when there was no loaning out money. That's when God says, hey, let's reduce this property $2 million and let's figure out someone else to carry it. And we're going to have them carry it at 3% interest because they don't know what they're doing. And you can't manage God. When you don't understand him, when he's hard to find. And you figured out, I've bargained with you. I've pleaded with you. I've tried different things. And God, you're still not going along with the plan. He says, I'm not managed by you. I know uncertain times are not what we want. The disciples heard Jesus share, I must die. Can you imagine a sermon? And in the middle of a sermon, I go, all right, guys, I just want to let you know I'm dying this week sometime. Some of you would be sad, some would be happy, but whatever it would be. That would be like, what are you talking about? And on top of that, a lot of you are just really going to mess up this week. I just want to let you know. You're going to run away. Peter doesn't like the plan. He goes, "No, this isn't one going to happen and that isn't not going to happen. I'm going to tell you something else, God." These guys they probably will fail you. I've I've been around them. Yeah, they're going to run on you. I I get that. But I won't. Because he wouldn't listen. Because he wouldn't respond. Because he wouldn't receive. 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 That's a prophetic word for many of you here today. Receive. Because you wouldn't receive. You're stuck where you're at because you won't receive. I have it for you. Why won't you receive? Why won't you let go? Receive. Peter suffered a humiliating, humiliating fall. And here's the question, in our personal life, in our nation and its uncertainty, how are you responding to God. Are you receiving? Or are you blocking it? It is possible God is still active, still accomplishing his purpose. Is it still that he may, he could be working in spite of what you think, in spite of what you believe? When everything seems to be going backward, could dar, God be still the light that's going to shine? Your answer to that question lets us know is your respond. How are you gonna respond? I'm gonna hide out, I'm gonna quit, I'm gonna give up, I'm gonna just not going to show up anymore, I'm just gonna got do my own thing. Your response shows what you believe with God, your connection with God. Whether do you believe? He's on the way with the rescue team. If you were to interview the disciples, and ask them, what was your darkest hours? They would say, it was right after the Last Supper. It was all the way up to us pulling him down off the cross. The Bible gives us hindsight clarity. And if we were to ask, when did God accomplish his greatest work in you? The disciple says, it would have been that moment of uncertainty right after the Last Supper, up to and after they pulled him down off the cross that he did the greatest work in me. Three days of utter despair for the disciples culminates with God's plan of redemption for the world, for generation. Of them becoming the church, the ecclesia, power released on earth. The story of the Black Tiger who was a general in Indonesia. He was famed for the way he would torture and the way he would kill. And he come up bizarre and creative ways of doing it. He caught someone that was spying on him and he brought him on and says, I'm gonna give you a choice. You can choose one of two doors in this room. One door will lead to your certain death. The other door leads to freedom. It's the way out. You just walk right out, and we're not going to chase you. I'm going to let you choose which door you want. Or we're going to send you back out. The fire squad's going to kill you. What do you choose? The commander's a little upset by him giving him that choice. He says, What are you going to choose? He says, I'm not choosing either door. I know you've got a trick for me, I know what you're trying to do. I take the firing squad out front, send me back out. Commander, take him. They took him out and they shot him. He comes back and said, why would you offer that, that choice? That door there led to total freedom. That door just led back into the prison camp. Why would you give him that choice? Because I've learned this about human nature. They'll choose something that's certain like death. Opposed to choosing anything that's uncertain, not sure, maybe a risk. I knew he'd choose to go out and die. Instead of walking out and freedom out that door. Where are you choosing to live where you're at? To be stuck in the rut? to be chained to your situation, to be captured and held captive. Where are you choosing to live in internment, in a prison, in a cage that you're allowing? God says, receive, I've got the key. Where are you being stuck? And when he says, come to me, do you see God still has the whole world in his hands? final thought good things come from broken things when you choose to see god el shaddai is working and he's turning your undesirable circumstances he's bending them into his desire his purpose you can have rest at night you can hold the promise god's rescue is on the way you'll be motivated to be on the lookout for any signs of him And you'll keep leaning his direction instead of doing some other way because you've just hurt, you've given up, you quit and making things worse. Stand with me. Hold out your hands like this. Tell God right now, I see that you hold the whole world in your hands. I see that God... Steve's going to start, start the song, do it again now. And I want you to start praising God. I want you to start remembering the times that he saved you, the time he was there, the time that he spoke to you. I want you to say, God, you came once, come again. God, I know I can tell from the word of God, you did it once. You come again. You come and you rescue me. I know you're on the way. I praise you. I exalt you. I thank you. You're else to die. I receive right now. I've come by now, but you have never failed me. You never failed me once. Waiting for change to. (laughs) I've been waiting. I just receive right now God. For you and never me. You've never failed me my hands. I'm opening to you right now, God. Right now. Come. Your promise still stands. Your promise stands. Your promise stands. Your promise stands.